for his name is great. Praise the Lord, abundant life. I said, praise the Lord, abundant life. All right, amen. Good to see you all this morning. I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Let's pray and uh, ask God's blessing on this word. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come sit at your feet. Father, we are your children, and we sit at your footstool to receive what you have for us today. Lord, I hide myself in your gift. I don't come, Lord God, to be seen. I only come to serve. So, Father, I pray that as you hide me in your, in your gift, that you will be glorified. I pray that the devil will be horrified and that your people will be edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share from you uh, from the subject a title called Crossing Your Jordan. And I have the honor and the privilege to actually be here for the next couple of weeks so we can actually go through this message. So I'm not trying to rush through and get three or four points in one message. I really want to take my time in these next three weeks. Amen? Amen. Because I really want God's people to walk in victory. And sometimes in order to walk in victory, you got to learn, you got to, how can I say this correctly? You got to take your time. We got to look at the word of God very carefully. And then we got to allow ourselves to be examined in light of God's word so we can recognize where we are not following God's will completely. Amen? Amen? Amen. So today as we begin to lay some of this foundation, we're going to look carefully at scripture. We're going to look carefully um, what God is calling us to do when we find ourselves in a crisis to cross over our Jordan. So this is not a message where we're going to be hooping and hollering and shouting. It may get in your business this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And I'll read them quickly. When you got it, say got it. If you're not there yet, say hold on. All right, I'll give you a minute. It's also on the screen for those of you who don't have your Bibles this morning. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look at crossing the Jordan. He says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance, about a thousand yards, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord would do amazing things among you. 
Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gigarites, uh, Amorites, and the Jeshubites. Boy, those are some names. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan River ahead of you. And we're going to conclude reading there. In this passage that we're reading, we realize some of the background here is that the Lord had took his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And he promised to take them to the promised land, which was Canaan. Now, Bible scholars says that this should have taken probably no more than about two years. But during that time, the Lord gave him his law, which is the word of God, and he taught them how to worship him. Prior to going into the land, God was trying to prepare his people for what he asked for them. When they arrived at the Jordan, all they were supposed to do was enter the land and lay claim to what God had gave them. Now, we understand that this was a promised land that God prepared for his people, but the people had a role to play in achieving it. They had to learn to put their faith and trust in God. Yet instead of going forward in faith, the people of Israel refused to claim their inheritance. God had heard the cries of his people in captivity, and he prepared for them a land of opportunity advancement, abundance, a promotion. Yet, before they were to enter this place, they had to go through with faith. And this new place was very unfamiliar. It was different. They had preconceived ideas of what God was doing. They had different expectations how God should move. So much so that they wanted to go back to Egypt, to the very place where they were enslaved. Have you ever, with your blessed self, ever prayed and cried out to the Lord for a blessing, only to find yourself a few months later complaining, questioning God, wondering if this is what God has for you, that you almost even bless, curse the blessing that God gave you. Has anyone ever been in that place before? We don't want to admit it, I understand. I hear you, I hear you. Instead of being excited and filled with faith because God was allowing you to cross your Jordan, did you have an attitude like the Israelites? Were you completely blind to what God was trying to do in your life? This is where the Israelites were. And they spent 40 years in frustration 
40 years just hanging around a place that God did not design for them to camp there. That's interesting. God punished them for their lack of faith, and he condemned them to wander around in the wilderness. In our text today, what we want to do is focus on the Joshua generation and what did they do to cross over their Jordan River. They were able to do something that their parents were not able to do. And I believe if we can focus in and explore and just really look at what was significantly that they had did, possibly you and I can learn some things so that we can cross over the Jordans in our own life. Some of you say, how do you know God has a Jordan for us? Because he said it in his word. God wants to bless us and to make us a blessing. Amen? I mean, he loves us as we are when we come to Christ, but he loves us too much to leave us the same. And God wants to bless your life in such a way that your life and your lifestyle will be a witness to other people. Because there are people who grew up with us. They know us who we used to be. Amen? They knew us in our days, our BC days before Christ, before we came to the Lord. We didn't come and sit in places like this to hear the word of God. We may have went to other places to socialize. To drink. Some might have been clubbing. But that's who you used to be. Now how do your friends see you now? Your old friends, when they see you, they say, man, some God is, they don't know what it is. They just know something has changed. And our lives reflect the work of the Lord. But God will have for each of us Every person will face their Jordan River from time to time. Some of you may feel that you will never enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised you. But I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever obstacle that you're facing, the Lord specializes in overcoming the impossible. And he will lead his children to victory. Perhaps God has opened a door for you. He's blessed you with a job or a promotion. Yet your journey, several months later, has left you feeling overwhelmed by the challenges and the issues that you're facing. So much so that you feel that you have encountered a Jordan River. Don't lose faith. Don't allow doubt to creep in. You just need divine intervention. Perhaps you're in a marriage and you and your spouse have an issue that it has been very difficult for the two of you to solve. So much that you don't even want it to come up. Because when it do, chilly breezes break in the house. You can't talk to one another. One feels that that person is not hearing them. Some may have even result to fighting one another. Don't lose faith. Don't allow doubt to creep in. Don't allow bitterness to creep in. All you need is supernatural help. Divine intervention to cross your Jordan. See, there are times that we'll try to fix things with our own natural strength and our own natural abilities, our own wisdom. Yet our unique situation or circumstances are purposely divine for supernatural help. 
Think about it. When Jesus was at sea with his disciples, his disciples were afraid because of the storm. But Jesus calmed the sea. Daniel found himself in the lion's den. His life was threatened. But God delivered him. Has God ever delivered you from something that you were afraid that was going to overtake you? You didn't see how you were going to get through it, but God came through for you? Do I have folks this morning who have that testimony? So let's examine this passage here in Joshua chapter 3. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. I want to show you some things here. Verse 2, it says, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. One of the things I see here when I look at verse 2 through 4 is that when it came time for the people to move across the Jordan, they camped together and they waited patiently for the Lord to give instruction. Now just think about you for a second. When you find yourself in the middle of a crisis, when you got to make a difficult decision, do you lean on some of your own natural strengths? The word of God in Proverbs says, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge who? Him. And he will direct our path. But many times when we find ourselves in those situations, we don't want to wait patiently. We got to do something quick. And they waited. While they were waiting, they received a word of instruction from their leaders. Here's what they demonstrated. They demonstrated unity, accountability, and walking in one accord. When we want to see a move of God in our lives, we have to wait and walk in obedience to God's word for us to see God move supernaturally. Now, what did they do? They watched the hand of God. That's point number one. They watched the hand of God. Check it out. The ark, as you may remember, was a special tabernacle furniture that symbolized the presence and the power of God. When the ark was in the Holy of Holies, the, God of, the glory of God rested on it, and, and, and it was dwelling the place of God. To Israel, it represented God's presence in the midst of his people. In other words, when God moved, they were to move. They were not supposed to do anything until they saw the Ark of the Covenant moving. Here's a point for you and I. We would do well in our lives when we face a time of crisis, when we need direction in life, is to learn to be sensitive to the movement of the Lord in and around us. When crises or troubles hit, our first response is saying, God, what are you doing? Not what should I do? God, what are you doing? What are you trying to do in me? And what are you trying to do through me? It is important for us to wait patiently 
for what, to see what God is doing in our lives. And if we learn to wait on the Lord and watch him, he will begin to show us what he's doing. How do we watch and see what God is doing in our lives? There's some passages of scripture I want to share real quick. Let's look at Isaiah 30, verse 22. It says, Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he, he will still be with you to teach you. What? The Lord gave us adversity for food and suffering for drink. He will still be with you to teach you. Meaning, regardless of the circumstances that came into your life, God is still working in the midst. And there are times that God would allow the adversity to come. He would allow the trouble to come. Why? Because he wants to do something in you. He wants to prepare you. You will see your teacher with your eyes, it says, and your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go whether to the right or to the left. Psalm 16, 8, verses 8 through 9 and 11 says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. You've made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Becoming sensitive to the work of God in and around us comes from a contrite heart, a heart that seeks to do the will of the Lord. And when we find ourselves in that place of seeking to be in the center of God's will, he will make his way known to us. Look at this passage in Psalms 139. Verse 1 through 4 and then 23 through 24. He says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I sit and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. One more I want to share with you. James says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Meaning don't be afraid. Maybe you have not spent much time in his presence the last few days, but you feel guilty coming to him asking him for many things. God is saying, don't sweat that. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Verse 19 says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, 
They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempting you to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from what? Our own desires, which entice us and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to to death. In order for you and I to cross our Jordan, we have to be involved in what I call covenant relationships. Because the truth is, you cannot fulfill the will of God being a long ranger. You absolutely can't do it. Even the long ranger wasn't by himself. He had Tonto. You cannot fulfill the will of God being a long ranger Christian. You need the blessing of other people. Because in order to live right, you're going to need that support. You're going to need accountability. You're going to need people speaking into your life, encouraging you. Because we all have blind spots. Amen? We all have blind spots. And so we can't see. And the Bible says here that such people cannot expect to receive from the Lord if they haven't dealt with some of their own personal stuff. So how does God deal with us? How do we grow in relationship with the Lord? How do we follow him? How do we see God at work in our lives? In many cases, God uses it by blessing us, putting us in a context and relationships with other people. There's three types of people I want to give you that you need to have into your life. Three types of people. Number one, those who, minister, those who you minister to. Ephesians 2.10 says that we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to do. We need to have people who we're serving. We need to have people who we're serving. I'm going to show you guys biblically why this is important in a minute. It's important to have those who you are ministering to. It's a contradiction of terms for you to call yourself a believer, but you're not serving anybody. That's a believer, but that's not a follower. Amen? The second type of people we need to have in our life is people who we minister with. People who we minister with. These are friends, brothers and sisters that we have grown to know and love in the body of Christ. And together we serve God's people. Together we sharpen one another, as as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpen another. And that's to help us grow. Because like I said before, we all have blind spots. And not only that, when God blesses you, usually, from my experience, God blesses you through other people. So if you are a long ranger, there's nobody to help pray you through. There's nobody to help you to see what God is doing in your life. And so you're stuck in the wilderness in your situation. And then the third 
people that we should have in our lives is those who minister to you. It's not good for us just to serve and speak into other people's life. Who's speaking into yours? Who knows what you're going through? Who knows your challenges? Who knows your strengths? Who knows your weaknesses? It's a blessing to have those people in your life. Those of you who are in growth groups, you know that there's a blessing. You may have gone to your growth group with a certain challenge or certain crises, and you sitting in there as a husband, and you complaining about your wife. My wife did, but my wife. And if there's some good brothers around, they listen to you, they pray for you, but one of them will lovingly pull you to the side and say, brother, you got to change your heart in regards to that. The Bible calls you to love your wife. And then you coming in here telling us about her, you're not loving her. The Bible says take the plank out of your eye so that you can see what God is doing in your life. How many of you have been changed? Your heart has, a situation has been changed in your life because you had the blessing of people in your life who loved you enough who told you the truth. Now, the truth is, as believers, this is why the, the, the Romans 12 2 tells us to be renewed in our mind. Because most of the time, we don't want nobody else telling us about our, ourselves. We don't want nobody in our business. I'm a grown man. You don't need to be telling me nothing. And see, those are some of the attitudes that we haven't divorced ourselves from the world. And it's those things that keep us blind from seeing God at work in our lives. Let me give you a couple examples here. James says in chapter 1, verse 19, 25, he says this. Understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Oh, Lord. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So what does he say? So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word of God which has been planted in your heart. For it has the power to save souls. But don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. I want to park right there. You must do what it says. One of the benefits of walking in covenant relationships or being a part of a growth group or having people who know you or into your life. Because they would help you fulfill the will of God. They will help you act on the word that you are receiving. Amen? They begin to check you. They begin to ask you how you blessed your wife this week. Huh? Yeah, how did you bless your wife this week? There's a few gentlemen that I walk very closely with, and I ask them these tough questions. And they say, man, nobody be asking me them questions that you be asking me. I said, because I love you enough. And I said, and I had it done for me. And it made me a better man. We must do what the word says. So I found out that we're not blessed just by knowing scripture or quoting scripture. We're only blessed by living scripture. 
So I said, God, I don't care about being a walking Bible. Just help me live out the little bit that I know. Amen. I remember the days when people used to come with huge Bibles, Bibles that would choke a mule. And they'd be quoting scripture and you'd be like, whoa, man, go on, brother. But watch them live their life Tuesday through Saturday. Do it reflect the Bible that they hold. Amen? He says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and do not obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself... Walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. I don't care. I mean, if you've been a member of this church and been here for a long time, you've had the privilege of sitting here and hearing some awesome teaching from this pulpit. Amen? We just have. But the truth is, think of the message that you just really loved. You don't forgot that word by Wednesday. You don't forgot it by Thursday. That's why it's important to get in a group where that word is coming back forth. And now you're seeing yourself being held accountable to it. And brothers and sisters are sharing with one another their experience in applying the word. And it's amazing what you may learn from other people. Amen? Other people can encourage you by the stuff that they have gone through. I'm going to get there in a second. I'm going to get there in a second. And it says, don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. Then God will bless you. I want to look at a couple examples here. Remember the Virgin Mary? She was pledged to be married. The angel Gabriel visited her and told her that she would be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The angel told her that God is going to do, through his spirit, is going to do a supernatural work in your life. Mary immediately set out to go visit her relative, who also had an experience of a supernatural kind. So when you're going through things in your life, it's important. God will show you who you can go to that been through something somewhat similar that can be encouragement to you to keep going through. As I shared with you the three types of people, the result is not to run out of here and go do it just so you can come back with a checklist and say, I got it. You got to pray and ask God, show me who those people are in my life. Who are the people, Lord, that you're calling me to serve? If you are in the context of a growth group and you're growing with other people, you can serve with that group. We have a group in this church of of men that's had a Bible study in Hayward for many, many years. They actually had it before I even went to Texas. And those men were just serving the Lord. Uh, I went and visited their group one time and they were coming back and they were sharing about how they went and fed the homeless. They was ministering to people on the streets. And uh, men who were addicted to alcohol and drugs or sexual addictions were coming and visiting that group. And God was ministering to them there. And it was a blessing to see God at work in the lives of these men. Now, here's the cool thing about it. 
it wasn't a group that was sponsored by the church. It was a group that was sponsored by the Holy Spirit. And these men who were following the leading of the Lord allowed God to use them in a significant way. And they didn't necessarily want to let the church know so they can get accolades and be all up at the front here at the church and plaster everything that they're doing. They did it out of the love and kindness of their heart. And God blessed them and changed many lives of men through that group. God wants to use us abundant life in many ways in touching other people. But we have to make ourselves available for him. And then we have in Scripture, over and over, the Apostle Paul gives last words to his sons in the faith, Timothy and Titus. They were not his natural sons, but they were his supernatural sons. They were men, young men, that he pulled close to him and he shared with them the word of God with them. He shared his life with them. And they, in turn, had a ministry to give to other people. And as he returned to them, he would also give them words of wisdom. He would also share with them the responsibility of continuing to teach and to model Christ for people. Let's look at a couple passages here. In 2 Timothy, he says, Timothy, my dear son, look at that relationship. Do you have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters? Do you have people that you sold into? How many of you are, 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 are saved today because somebody else took you under your wings, their wings, and ministered to you and showed you the ways of walking in the Lord? He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God's give you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to others, trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. He goes on in verse 22 to 26. He says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, folks, this is what I'm talking about. Enjoy the relationship. I know that we all have friends that we grew up with, who we went to college with. But when you become a believer, God wants you to become a family. God wants you to build relationships with those in the body so that you can continue to grow. Amen. And your growth group, some of the folks may look different from you. Their background may be different from you. But the same God that's at work in them is at work in you also. And that's what's most important. You're not coming to be buddy-buddy. You're coming to find out what is God doing in my life, what God is doing in your life. And you be encouraged as you find yourself going through certain things because your brothers and sisters are suffering as well, but you see them also progressing and God blessing them. And it inspires you. How many of us have gone to the gym and we're working out and our bodies are not looking the way we want them to, but we are inspired when we see somebody else who religiously be at the gym. I seen this brother one day, he was hitting, pow, saw all the veins and the muscles in his arm. I was inspired. <laughs> but it only lasts a few hours. <laughs> and I said, well, Lord, how come my veins is not popping out and my arms getting all big? Are you putting the time in like this brother putting the time in? Amen. <laughs> we want some things, but we're not willing to put in the work. Amen. 
That was a little too close to home. I'm sorry. Titus, another one of Paul's spiritual sons. He says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train who? Younger women to love their husbands and their children. So that means you may get into a group with people who are not your age. I told you it's not for social gathering. It's for spiritual development. Amen? I remember as a young, as a young man wanting to follow the... Because I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up heathen. So I, if I'm going to learn this thing about church, and I got some makeup to do because I didn't grow up in the church. So at 20 years old, I'm in small groups. I'm fellowshipping, fellowshipping with other brothers and Christians. There was no young men my age there. They were doing other things that 20-year-olds do. So I was there with men who were 30, 40, 50, and just seeking in, soaking in all the wisdom, learning from them, asking questions, allowing them to speak into my life. But my peers wasn't there. They were too busy doing their own thing. And so that may be the cause for some of you. You have to plug into a group. So God can begin to work on you. So God began to show you what his promises is for your life. Because here's what I learned. God would not make a 100% investment to a 2% commitment. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to bless your life. But he will not make a 100% investment to a 2% commitment. That's true. That's hard to receive, but it's true. They stayed in the wilderness how many years? 40. These older women must train the younger one to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. God wants us to be in relationship with one another. He wants us to teach and instruct one another. So those of you who may feel, I don't want nobody in my business. People don't need to know what's going on in my life. That's a lie from the devil. And that's a truth that some people hold on to. And, and by holding on to that truth, it is keeping you bound and you're not receiving things spiritually. Because you're holding on to worldviews. So as it pertains to us crossing our Jordan, we have to do whatever we can possibly to see the work of God in our lives. And it's not going to happen 
by us just praying a prayer, we got to make a commitment to walk with the Lord, to be in covenant relationships with God's people. We got to spend time pursuing and wanting to hear the word and allowing people to examine our lives, to encourage us to keep forward. Otherwise, we won't get it. And so we got to recognize some of our own tendencies, some of the ways we try to push back. You know, it, it reminds me, I was laughing with my wife this morning on the way. I remember when my kids were little and we taught them how to tie their shoes. After you teach a little kid a couple times to tie their shoes, that independence kick in. And they want to do it themselves. So you're trying to get dressed and you go somewhere and you say, come on, baby, let me tie your shoe. They jump out. Uh-uh. I can tie myself. <laughs> and so my kids will get down there and they're trying to tie their shoes. And I'm just watching them. You need some help? No, daddy. They move all the way. They don't want no help. They want to do it themselves. Sometimes it's all tied off funny. Another child, I won't say which one it was, had their shoes on the wrong foot. So they walking, looking like Daffy Duck, feet all crossed out this way. And I'm thinking, you got to be uncomfortable. But they didn't want daddy or mama's help because they were trying to do it themselves. You and I are that way sometimes with God. God wants to teach us how to do certain things, how to do it right. We got a little bit of word. But we want to do it ourselves. We want to do things independently of God. And God won't rush in and say, sit down and make you do. He would just step back. Okay, okay. If you need me, I'm here. But he will watch you in frustration. I watched my kids. They were frustrated. Sometimes they mad. They're crying. But they were refusing to help. Are you crying? Are you frustrated? Because you're not, you're refusing to receive the Lord's help. If we're going to witness and see the work of God in our life, if we're going to walk into our promised land of Canaan, whatever it may be, one of the first things we have to do is watch for the move of God in our life. And we can't do that as a lone ranger. We got to get in relationship with other people that God will use significantly to help us see. I remember I was probably about 24 at the time and um, I was praying and asking God for my wife. Because I heard, I read in scripture, he who finds a wife finds a what? A good thing. And I'm like, Lord, I want a good thing. Amen. And so I remember praying. I was confused. And I said, Lord, speak to me. Show me. Confirm it in my heart. Which direction you want me to go? And I'll never forget a woman at the church who I knew, but she wasn't a part of my small group circle. She's just a woman who I respected and who I knew was a praying woman. She came to me, she said, 
Brother, I got to tell you something. She said, please forgive me. She said, I've been having this dream for over three weeks. And she said, and I've been wanting to say something to you, but I just think it was stupid, so I didn't say anything. And I said, what, you've been dreaming? And you said the Lord was speaking to you? I said, tell me. Tell me. She said, the Lord showed me in a dream who you were to marry. My body said. (laughs) And she said, I saw in the dream that you were walking to an altar and the woman you had on your hand, when your hand was Bridget. I said, oh my God, the Lord is good. (laughs) But that's how God confirmed it for me. And I walked in it. It's been 20 something years and I thank God I have a good thing. You know why? Not because she's beautiful. A little bit, I need more than that. It's because she hears from the Lord. And I trust her hearing from the Lord. And many times she corrects me. She speaks into my life. God uses her to make me better. Amen? And those are the type of people that we need to have in our life. Yes, we would always have, always have friends who we grew up with. Yes, we have friends we went to school with and all that kind of stuff. But God wants to place you in relationship with the body to help you become all you can be in Christ Jesus. Amen? I didn't know that I went into overtime. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, in your word that we see how much you love us. Father, we know that you have a plan and purpose for our lives. And that you desire for us to live victoriously. But we realize, Lord God, in our own strength, we can only go so far. We realize that you created us to be in covenant relationships with one another so that we can see you clearly. So we can see the work that you're doing in our lives and the way that you're trying to lead us. Father, you said in your word that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here to guide us in every step of the way. Help us, Lord God, Open our eyes to see the people who you have brought into our lives. Help us to nourish, Lord God, and to faithfully sow into these relationships so that we can reap the benefits, Lord God, that you desire for us. God, we know that you didn't come into our lives to leave us the way we are. Your purpose, Lord God, in times will make us uncomfortable. But that's because you're conforming us to your will. And Lord, today we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our lives. And we will allow you to complete the good work that you started in us. And may we receive, Lord God, everything that you have purpose 
and destined for us to have. We also ask your blessing upon this church, Lord God, that we may receive everything that you have in store for us. As we continue to walk in unity, as we continue to walk and be accountable, Lord, we pray that you would lead us to where you're trying to take us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.